is Democracy in America, a left-right conversation about the difficult issues facing our nation. My name is Annabelle Park, and my co-host is Rich Taffel. We're at such a critical time right now mm-hmm. because it looks like we're headed towards impeaching a sitting president. Mm-hmm. I can't see the Senate, the Republican-controlled Senate, saying they've had enough. Mm-hmm. And even for the sake of their elections, they may just jump ship and say, we need somebody else. Well, you and I disagreed on the Russian and the Mueller report and all that. Mm-hmm. You thought that was uh, grounds for impeachment. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big frustration for the two of us. I do see this situation as different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest difference for me is the principles. And the principle that was different was, yes, when he was running for the presidency, he said, Russia, if you have her emails, release them. And we know that they, hours after that, they did sort of play with their emails. Um, It was sort of inviting a foreign country. It's not a good thing, but there's no particular power in it. To me, it's a whole different thing to be president of the United States and take a very vulnerable ally, a critical ally, who is completely dependent on us. Um, and everybody knows that. Everybody in the discussion knows it. And to ask for a favor that is not a favor for the country. It's really a favor for yourself. That's the that's what I see as a very different situation. So he's basically, um, I would say most of his behavior as a person has never really been about um, the country. Some of his policies have benefited the country. But it's almost always about himself. And in this case, it's his obsession with scoring points the way he's learned to do it his whole life, which is in many ways a very thug-like mentality that he probably learned in Newark real estate of threatening people and, uh, you know, do me a favor, I'll do a favor for you kind of culture, which is why I don't think he thinks it's wrong. That's the interesting thing. I think he released that document saying, here's the letter, and I'm sure you're not going to find that it's wrong because... And um, I think it is. I think it is wrong to use the power of the presidency to push a personal agenda, and particularly in this case, to get a foreign country involved in an election. And I think he was trying to do that. So those principles are really important, and um, and that would be the difference for me. And I think that could be the difference for the for the American public. When it to answer your question, you were saying, yeah, the Democrats will vote to impeach, most likely, most definitely. They might get a few Republicans, a handful of Republicans in the House. And we've always known they've had those votes. Uh, they will, I do not think it will um, work in the Senate. Uh, I don't think that the Republicans who are running for office will uh, risk losing his support and his threat in states where he's more popular than they are. And I think that's their calculus. Um, but I think some could break who aren't up for election, and others who are just from the moral position, and there is a moral argument here. Uh, but it'll be very aggressive, and uh, the biggest threat to it for me is the Democrats' handling of it. I think they will mishandle it. They will overreach. They, um, And I'm already seeing examples of that. So when you watch that, you say, oh, jeez, you know, um, they're, they're not interested in the principles. They're only interested in defeating him this way. Um, but I do think that um, it is the importance of the Congress to review, uh, have oversight mm-hmm. of um, misbehavior 
of the presidency, and that's that's what the process is. So I would say the in this case, um, I do think the inquiry is appropriate, and let's see what we learn. We don't know all the details, um, but there's going to be major um, questioning of what's true here. We're in a mm-hmm. postmodern period, and so it'll be the facts will be very hard to know mm-hmm. because there'll be constant cycles going back and forth, discrediting uh, sources and so forth, including the whistleblower will be uh, very, very aggressive attempts to discredit that person as part of the deep state, I can almost guarantee. So I think that's what we're up against. Um, We're coming into it. But um, I'm hoping Americans can um, resist the partisan energies and uh, try to do what's right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, first of all, it's, it's so encouraging that you feel like you know enough to say impeachment is a good idea. I want to. I will. There's a difference between impeachment, impeachment inquiry, where like mm-hmm. I don't know all the facts. Mm-hmm. I know what I've read, um, but it's certainly from what I have read, and mm-hmm. I try to read as much as possible. There, I, I think he is misbehaving as uh, as our president, and frankly. Um, I think he needs to be warned. I don't think he understands that it was wrong. That's another interesting thing. I don't think he thinks it's wrong. And it is. And I think we're going to find other examples where he's used the president's power to accomplish things. So, yeah, I, I, I want to see. I want to learn more. I want to. I want to, That's what an inquiry would tell me. My fear is that it won't really be an inquiry. It will just be a political campaign from from mm. the left. I see. So you're for impeachment inquiry, mm-hmm. not impeachment. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm waiting mm-hmm. to see what I learned from the whole process. Right. Okay. And so if you are managing the impeachment process, mm-hmm. not in the Democrats' hands, but you personally, mm-hmm. what would you do? Um, if I were managing the impeachment process... Uh, among the Democrats, because you would have to work with them. I mean, um, Adam Schiff and uh, Maxine Waters and the the squad, uh, I would forbid them from speaking about it. I think they're really pretty disastrous in their speaking about it. And there's a lot of overreach and they don't have a lot of credibility. So there's certain people, I, I don't know that you can do this, but I would, I would try to control who speaks about it for one thing and try to keep it balanced. I would say... Um, Nancy Pelosi, I've never been a huge fan, but I am uh, I am impressed by some of the f- phrases she said, such as, um, this is a very serious moment for the country. You know, we should go into this with prayer. Um, I, I still believe that there are people who believe in those kind of things. So uh, I think she's serious about it. Um, of course, she's a political player, and I'm not naive about that. But... Um, I respect her a lot more, having watched her hold off on the previous push by the left. Um, So that's what I would do. I would really argue principles. I would stop talking about personalities. I'd say this principle was broken. This principle is broken. You cannot use the White House for your own personal benefit. You cannot use the White House to score points. You cannot use the White House to um, threaten foreign aid and military aid to accomplish a goal, whatever the goal is, uh, these kind of things. Like I would try to make it as principle based, and uh, they, uh, and that's that's where I do see that right now. I see the Democrats already failing to do that, which I think is going to alienate uh, swing voters. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the last poll I read, fifty-two mm-hmm. percent uh, of Americans support impeachment. Impeachment or inquiry? I think impeachment. Impeachment inquiry. Well, because I, I mm-hmm. think that, uh, but that, yeah, it's certainly this is a very different. Mm-hmm 
this is a very different issue it's than than say the Mueller report I think that we have a chance to remove him partly because I think people are absolutely exhausted by Trump's antics I would agree they with want you on that stability. that there's some mm-hmm. common ground I mm-hmm. think there is an exhaustion factor mm-hmm. And if anything, truthfully, you know, Senator Flake, former senator from Arizona, said, you know, I talked to a number of Republicans and they said they'd like to get rid of him. I actually believe that. I think they are also. It's embarrassing. It's mm-hmm. embarrassing whatever he's going to tweet um, across the board. He's just said he said something. He says things that are really, you know, really get into the crawl of Republicans. And so I think they don't like him and they're afraid of him. And um but given the chance, they might do him in and, and just try to get a clean slate to save themselves. All we need is to see his approval rating drop below 30%. Then you're going to jump ship. In, more importantly than that, though, mm-hmm. it's really, it really is district by district and it's state by state. So mm-hmm. it's, it's when your approval rating is down among Republicans. That's, that's when they'll switch. Uh, the people who have their finger in the ear. But I don't think there's, there, there's no love loss. Um, you know, one thing that he did, just to give you an example, after he, um, after we lost the House, Republicans lost the House, he went through and read out all the moderate Republicans that lost by name and mocked them like a mafia leader, really. And these are the, you know, to me, they were the highest quality people. I think the centrists are usually the most high quality people. And, um, you know, he just went through and read them all off. Well, no matter how you feel, if you're a Republican elected official, you know that's your, that's your mob boss. Like, that you, you could be um, easily thrown under the bus, as so many of his uh, cabinet members have been as well. So there's no, nobody, I don't think, really trusts him. I think they fear him. And once the fear is removed, then things could change. But if the Democrats are their own worst enemy, which I think they are, the other worst enemy in this is the president to himself. Uh, saying things like, spies used to be shot. Uh, that's a really repelling comment about a whistleblower. He will, he will do more of that as he gets panicked. Because he's a thre- he, he succeeded as a, as a thug who threatens people. And he'll keep doing that, that activity. And um, I think that'll, that'll, that, that'll, he, will, he could do himself in uh, by, by that behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to see people piling on. I mean, there'll be more whistleblowers and more people like John Bolton and Jim Mattis, hopefully, Mm -hmm. others speaking up about what they know. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be just this one call. I think there's going to be just people piling on because they are fed up with him. I think people have been waiting to find some way to get rid of him. Well, the other thing that he's done is that the deep state that he keeps talking about, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a deep state, and it's probably its political leanings is probably center left, but very centrist. The people who work at the FBI, CIA, and I think they did reveal themselves to be partisan against Trump in some of the earlier stuff that we've talked about um, in the Trump administration. So I think they've shown that yeah, they they in some cases were working against the president. This whistleblower will become the focus of that, and that'll be a huge. Um, campaign to make that person's name known and then show who they supported in past elections and so on and so forth. But the truth is, when you are president in that arrogant way, and he mocked the CIA, and he mocked the FBI, uh, it occurred to me then, those are not enemies I would like to have, because they are 
experts in clandestine operations. So uh, he has really turned them, many of them, against him. Uh, and he has done in some of their uh, colleagues, including even Mueller, and mocked Mueller. So yeah, just from the human level, there's there's something there. When you say that they are shown to be partisan and against Trump, does that mean that you're you're necessarily partisan if you're against Trump, or can you be against Trump and not partisan? Because I feel like people get pushed into being called partisan because. They are critical of Trump. Yeah, Trump benefits from his enemies because they really don't. There is an establishment, and it could be even a Republican slash Democrat establishment that uh, you know I jokingly often refer to it like a Mandarin class, like of China, who survives every emperor, but they run the show, and that is true. Of Washington, there's a class of people who run Washington, regardless of who the president is. And uh, they have a lot of power. A lot of power they probably should not have, would be my opinion. And um, yeah, so whether they're, but they're, you could say establishment versus anti-establishment, but I don't think they gave him a fair shot either, to be honest, and didn't like him from day one. So they, I, th- I think they overplay their hand and they undermined the FBI a little bit. Um, James Comey has, has really, I think, going back and forth and back and forth. Um, not done a good job for the reputation of the FBI, for example. James Comey? Yeah. Mm. But there are, I, I, I think he was in a very difficult... I mean, I don't want to get sidetracked talking about James Comey, but I, I feel like um, people were put in very difficult situations that they've never been in before. Mm-hmm. And this is the refrain that McGuire kept repeating that this isn't this is unprecedented mm-hmm. we're uncharted territory right and and i think that's absolutely true i people, agree with you people on that. are just not sure what to do right because no, they never because all these norms are being broken that's a good point i agree with that. and so i i feel i feel for people who have been put in that situation career politicians career institutionalists yeah um there was no right way for Mueller to do anything because he was going to get attacked. No, I in the case um, of Mueller, different yeah. from from Comey for me is mm-hmm. like he did everything to me the right way, mm-hmm. and he got eviscerated by first the the Trumpies, and then the uh, Democrat comedians and jokes and you know I mean he took it from both sides as a failure, and uh, so I I admire I admire him, and I did think that uh, Mr. McGuire when he was testifying before the committee. Um, he just seemed like a good man. And those people are going to have the most power because we just don't have anybody. I, he, you know, he said the whistleblower did everything right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, uh, and I thought, again, the, the, the questioners didn't do themselves a, a good service in that. They looked incredibly eager to um, put words in his mouth and, and so on and so forth. But I thought you're right when he said, you know, there's no precedent for this or any of this. And he also joked that he wouldn't have taken the job if he had known about the. I don't think thing. he was joking. Uh, he wasn't joking about that either, you know. And so I think these really good people with these backgrounds are being put mm-hmm. in, in, in the country, being put, put in. It is testing our norms and our values, and um, and um, so that's and that I think that's what's if if that is the narrative for the impeachment, I think the president's in trouble. If it's the Democrats couldn't win at the ballot box, they're going to win this way. Uh, then it's good for the president. So the, the, those would be my ways of dividing it out. 
Yeah, I guess I I'm hopeful that Republicans are going to abandon Trump because there will be so much coming forward. There's no way to defend him on any number of things that were come out. Right? There's the second whistleblower complaint about his tax returns, and so I think there be there be others. You know, it's not just going to be two. There's going to be other whistleblower complaints filed about Trump. I feel optimistic that Republicans are going to want to find a new person to lead the party into the election. That's my hope. Yeah, I don't. I think I think I'm. I see a more tribal, and uh, I see a much more mudding of the waters. Mm-hmm. And I think I see Democrats stepping into it more as they've been, um, which actually muddies the waters and it makes you more tribal. So um, I, I don't see it happening so much that way. But we that's why I want an inquiry, because I don't know. Like we, We're going to learn a lot. And uh, there will be a huge stone, stonewalling on the part of the administration. They've also learned that they can do that pretty mm-hmm. well. I do think tribalism is a problem right now for the impeachment process. But personally, I feel like we have to call on people to get past this. You know, tribalism is going to kill our democracy. Mm. And I think we need to call on people to stop it, to call that out and try to address it very explicitly instead of being at the mercy of it. Like we're just accepting that we're just tribal. And so the outcome is predictable because we're tribal. I, and I, I just don't want to accept that as, as the new norm. That this yeah. is just the permanent condition in America that we are simply tribal. Yeah. The real test for me will be if the Democrats can behave in a way that's not tribal. They could have him impeached. If they are tribal and it comes across as putting your thumb on the scales and not a fa- not fair, then that advantages the president. So it, it is, I agree with you, we should move beyond it. Um, but it's going to be hard for both parties because the most vocal and successful people in both parties right now are, by and large, the most tribal. What I'm saying is that we need people bottom up. Yeah, from the grassroots. Calling, yeah, calling on people in Washington to behave. Yeah. To understand what the stakes are, what the principles are. Make real arguments. Right. Not just talking points. Make real arguments. Mm-hmm. And to question them and to hold them accountable. I think the citizens really need to use this moment to rise up and set new norms mm-hmm. for what passes for deliberation and democracy. You know, we can't just sit by and just see what happens because exactly. it is it is going to be a mess. Well, uh, mm-hmm. asking you what you asked me, if you were mm-hmm. in charge of the Democratic Party strategy, mm-hmm. what would you do differently from what you see as emerging as the strategy? Or would you just continue it? What I want to see happen is I would love American people to engage in an entirely different way right now. I would love to see people getting together in their community centers, Mm -hmm. in their coffee shops, in their homes, to put our heads together and figure out what happened, what needs to happen going forward. Mm -hmm. And and just engage in a very deep way and invite people to engage in a deep way instead of making them bystanders, making them just audience. This is time for us to really engage with using just completely different muscles because it is out of control in Washington. It is. You know, no one knows what to do. No one knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Pelosi might be strategically smart. She may understand how Republicans think and behave. But I don't see her as my leader. Mm-hmm. I don't see her as being a moral guide. I see her as knowing Washington. Well, who would you say is your moral leader on the on the left? I mean, there are people that I listen to because I think they're very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that... Um, People like Lawrence Tribe, you know, the constitutional law professor from Harvard. I mean, he's been very consistently trying to help people understand. So people outside of the Democratic Party's political machine, you're looking more for like other people. Is there anybody in yeah. the party who, who you would look to as a role model? Don't, you don't have to have anybody. I mean, I think there are people I like more than others, but like right now... I am definitely looking outside of Washington for sort of moral, yeah. spiritual guidance. Yeah. Because they're too deeply in it. You yeah. Know? And that's, they have too really, many personal things at stake. That's another thing that we probably mm-hmm. agree on is yeah. that, they, that the incentive system mm-hmm. for the political culture mm-hmm. is so rigged um, into this win-lose mentality mm-hmm. that they really can't see what's good for the country. Anybody. I mean, yeah. that's what I think the president's biggest mistake here is he was not putting mm-hmm. the country first yeah. in that conversation. He's putting himself first. And I think that's the definition almost of this political polarization. It's about what will get me elected, what will defeat my opponents, mm-hmm. what will give me more power, what will get me a chairmanship, what will get me a majority. And um, yeah, and whole, you know, how do you see us like doing what we're doing? How do, we, how do we get the American people engaged? They seem mm-hmm. not engaged at all from my, my perspective. Um, yeah. So you you know you're you're more we're both in that nerdy political world where we actually know a lot of people who are very engaged. But for the most part, when I talk to people, what I find is that on issues like this, they try to find one trusted person to explain it to them because they're not going to read everything or watch everything. And the ones who read or watch are only looking to reinforce and then share on Facebook uh, opinions that that agree with them. Uh, to what end, I don't know because I find it very annoying. <laughs> But that's what they kind of do. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm hoping also maybe during our podcast mm-hmm. that we can mm-hmm. actually try to be as balanced as possible and talking about these things so that people listening could make up their own mind. Well, I think if you're running for an election, mm-hmm. especially in 2020, there's simply a conflict of interest. Mm. And I think that this is why the citizens need to be very directly involved right now. Mm -hmm. We need bottom-up democracy. Yeah. And we need people to be informed, not just like, oh, I hate those Republicans. (laughs) It's infuriating to read comments about Jeff Flake right now because they're just so hostile towards him for no reason. Like, no, we need people like Jeff Flake. Right. I noticed on Facebook you were taking heat from people by saying that we shouldn't attack Jeff Flake for criticizing the president. That's insane. But it just shows you the depth of the the polarization. It is a kind of conditioning of the brain. Like I think people are so accustomed to just finding any opportunity to attack people who are on the other side. They're, They're not thinking about the context. They don't think about the strategy. They don't accept the reality that we need Republicans to make progress. They think they can they can do it without Republicans. That's crazy. Just the math is not there. Right. One of the biggest uh, lies of American politics right now is the idea that when our side wins, we're going to get everything. 
and that's been the it's sort of like the mm-hmm. the logic of uh, the the World War One when they're doing trench warfare back and forth, and you know it's just like a couple yards, a couple yards, and then we're gonna um, it's gonna take a breakthrough to to change things. I'm hoping that um, we can include people in the conversation. One big n- bit of news for us is that you have now created a democracy van <laughs> that is going to travel around America and the battleground states and do our mm-hmm. podcast recordings with citizens. So tell me about that. What, oh, yeah. what, what, what's up with your van and how are we going to do the podcast? You know, it's funny. Um, I've been dreaming about this, I would, I would say, about 10 years. So it's not just like a whimsical idea. I wanted to do this van where I can live in it. Mm-hmm. I can do create media in it, videos and podcasts, mm-hmm. and invite people to come in to something that feels like a little moving home and sit down and relax and like think with me because mm. that's the thing that's missing. Yeah. Thinking, <laughs> so much people to think, um, and it's it's a it's an, a Sprinter van, 2011 van that we converted into a little home that has mm-hmm. a little kitchen in it, and a little bathroom, it's and really two cute. little beds. Yeah, very- and I'm so excited about it because I do want to travel to, especially to battleground states, but to a lot of other places, mm-hmm. and figure out what the stories are what figure out what the truth is because i know having traveled in 2016 that people in washington are not capturing these stories that are taking place all i know that that's why they were completely off the mark about the outcome of the election because they weren't actually in places like dayton ohio talking to people spending time there you know they were just coming in and out mm-hmm. part of the press corps for a candidate and so that's that's not the way to cover what's happening in America. And this is why like it got so focused on the horse race. It's always focused on the horse race and not really on what is happening in the lives of the voters. Mm-hmm. And what I see is people are, are just emotionally wrecked. And there really needs to be a sense of restoration. You know, people need to feel... And this is why there, there's that kind of nostalgia for Obama... That I think is misguided. <laughs> I don't think we should be going back to Obama. Right. I think we need to go back to what makes democracy really work. And this is why our podcast is called Democracy in America. It's like, what made American democracy special Yeah. in the first place? It really doesn't work without getting citizens involved and, and citizens yeah. who are educated. And the world's gotten so complex that that's difficult. Um, and the knowledge of how systems even work and what impeachment is and how the president works, that's complicated. And um, the amount of time that we have mind space to be citizens when we're trying to mm-hmm. you know, get everything done in a day, that's complicated. So I'm hoping that these conversations can um, encourage people to call in and, and send messages. And also your interviews at the grassroots will begin that conversation because we do need a way to make this easier for people too to engage, mm-hmm. and it's quite complicated right now. It's um, people, yeah. and, and they, the political system has successfully taught people mm-hmm. that there's no point in really engaging. That the only way you can engage is write a check or vote, and that's a very you know, or maybe maybe at the very end of a campaign get involved. But they've really taught people it's kind of hands off. Leave it to the pros, 
and I think we need to get people back engaged again. And hopefully with your background, uh, the coffee party, we could do something like that with Democracy in America. I mean, I don't know if that's how you feel about your travels around the country, but I always feel better when I talk to people, ordinary people, who are trying to make their lives better, make the lives of their communities better. I see heroic people who never get any attention. People who just go out of their way to help others. People who are really quite selfless. Mm -hmm. And who don't ask for much or anything at all. That is most of America. Completely agree. Completely agree. And really, that's what Tocqueville's book was about, was these amazing things that were happening at the local level. And it may be a place, you know, coming out of the Trump period, it may be a place where the left and the right are going to come to new agreement. Because for the long time, the right had talked about federalism and localism, and the left talked about collective solving at very big policy levels at the federal level. And I think that I'm hearing a lot of people on the left using the word localism and you know, local. And to your point, real change happens at the local level. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think by commenting on Facebook, you're changing federal policy. You're not. Right. Um, your opinion doesn't change it. Your vote hardly changes it. But the ability that you can affect things at a local level, join an institution locally and be involved in your community, uh, that that hard work is the only way this is really going to work. I would love to see us gathering together around common experiences, Mm -hmm. improving their community, building a playground, building a garden, you know, feeding each other. I know it can work. We're already doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening at the scale we need. Right. And we need to figure out how to put some spotlight on it to say this is what it can be. Can't wait to get out there and, and, and show like yeah, what, what is actually happening. The more happening. power we can get back to the local level mm-hmm. and the local community in the states, um, the better from my perspective and, and take as much out of D.C. as possible because solutions happen locally best. And there's some things we need to do federally, but not everything. And once everything becomes federal, that's where all the money is, and that's where all the um, bribery takes place for, for causes. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think that could be a place of agreement for the left and the right, thanks to Donald Trump. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. Good discussion, and I think we've got a lot to uh, be talking about over the next coming weeks. Okay. He's going to be impeached and removed. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We would love to hear from you. Please leave us a message at 202-656-0325. We may include your message in future episodes. See you next time.